0: Out here in the perimeter there are no stars Out here we is stoned, immaculate Hello and welcome This is the C86 Show I'm David Edstorn As you know we love a special guest This week it's going to be the turn of the au pairs Because um, quite recently Well last year I spoke to their um, main person It was Leslie Woods um, The band was led by as, um, and was described as one of the most striking women in British rock. Anyway, formed in Birmingham, 1978, their first album, Playing With A Different Sex, is considered a post-punk classic. Anyway, look, you're going to hear lots of chat in the next, I don't know, 50 minutes. So um, sit back, relax and enjoy. Um, so after several minutes of casual chat, which I've edited out... Um, We got down to that very exciting subject. That was the early formative years. Yes, it's a classic start. Anyway, Leslie, it's over to you.
1: Okay. well, when I was a teenager, um, a woman playing guitar and singing in a rock band or any kind of um, progressive uh, outfit was pretty rare. There um, There was a lack of female role models um, I think the, about the only role models there was Janice Joplin, and then there was Patty Smith. Uh, she was very influential and uh, inspiring. Um, but yeah, I mean, I started off music like learning classical guitar at school, and then I progressed to getting a guitar, an acoustic guitar, and having lessons with a teacher privately, and, like, learning about keys and chords and things. Yes. And then I just started writing songs and then playing in school concerts. I had an audition once in London many, many years ago, and I was going to get signed up, but um, I chose to stay at school and do my A-levels. I often wonder whether I made a big mistake doing that. But, yeah, and then I played in this sort of, like, little local outfit that used to go around working men's clubs in those days. And um, I was the only girl and sort of played old cover versions. And then eventually when I was finished my A-Levels, I went to university and that's when I met Paul from the O pairs. And then we just got the O pairs together yes. after a few kicks and starts. But we wanted to get, um, he was in a band, another band with um, an all male band. And um, he left that band, and we pilched the drummer, which became Pete, the au pair's drummer. And then we decided we wanted to get another girl in the band because uh, we wanted, at that time I was getting into sexual politics and gender politics, so um, I was very keen that there should be another woman in the band. So it should be equal, like equal guys, equal girls. And then we found Jane, who, again, it was very difficult to find a girl bass player. And then uh, we just started rehearsing. But then we had our first gig very quickly, within about six weeks. And we didn't really stop gigging for about the next four years. Yes. So that's that's how it all started. Yes. Um, Yeah. And, um, yeah, unfortunately, we didn't seem to have a very long lifespan um, for one reason or another um which is a bit sad um but yeah that's the way it goes yes. um so um So was it? So,
0: so I was going to say during that sort of period where you were just sort of growing, growing up. Sort of, I suppose you know, it was the end, obviously the end of the sixties. But then there was that sort of glam period, and then there was that sort of West Coast rock with people like Fleetwood Mac and um, the Eagles, and then punk. Did did that sort of world that that exploded out of seventy seven was that sort of a a moment that also kind of had a big influence on your life?
1: Well, yeah, it it did in the sense that that. Uh, provided a platform or an opening, which was um, open to um, you know anything went really, and like for women to um, you know to play, be able to get up and do it. It wasn't just all about Eric Clapton and the like, you know. So uh, yeah, punk was a good was a movement in the sense that it was like a movement of freedom, in the sense that you anyone could get up and do do. Play what they liked without having to sound like Eric Clapton or play like you know um,
2: Led yes. Zeppelin
1: or yeah. whatever. Um, so yeah, that yeah, in that way, it was it was very influential. There was also quite a lot of political movements going on around that, like Rock Against Racism and Rock Against Sexism. And um, we were well, I was a founding member of Rock Against Racism, and um, we played a lot of benefit gigs for that organisation, sort of which gave us a lot of exposure
0: Yes So, yeah And I was going to say, um, did it Did it take a while to get your sound sorted out? I just wondered if it was one of those things that it sort of clicked quite quickly or whether it took a a sort of a period. Because a lot of bands that I've interviewed, especially those kind of 80s bands, you know, on the indie front, you know, often had a year sort of faffing about and then John Peel gave them a sort of play and that was a kind of a big thing and then a John Peel session.
1: Uh, No, things happened very quickly for us. We had our first gig, people really liked us and we we just carried on gigging then until we all fell apart. Um, and we got, we did a lot of John Peel sessions. So, I, I mean, I remember that Jane had a boyfriend at the time who was in another band and they, a Birmingham band, and they were having real problems getting gigs and getting any kind of audience. But we, we didn't have that problem at all, remarkably. Yes. I never quite understand why, but we didn't. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and were you and did you and because there was a lot of bands coming out of the midlands at that time were you aware or did you feel part of a scene at all when you were sort of developing in those those early years and that for that lifespan uh,
1: to a certain extent yeah although we were I think our, what we were doing musically and because of the way our lineup two girls two boys we were quite unique and um, what we were singing about was unique and what we were playing and the way we were playing was also unique. We had a very unique sound, but yeah, there were lots of bands that we were quite close to like, um, Oh God, my mind's just gone a blank. Uh, who did that album? Who did, um, red, red wine. Oh, the UB 40. Yeah. I mean, they lived up that they were, they were in the same area really in Birmingham. We were, we were quite close to them. And the beat, um, we were quite close to them as well. But musically, we were quite distinct. All of us, you know. And as you were part of the Scar movement, or like, I mean, like Spandau Ballet and Dex's Midnight Runners, all came out of Birmingham. But they were of a, they were on a different scene. Yes. They were More like new wave, and more like if you, yeah, like very slick and dressed up and glamorous, you know. Whereas we were very street, you know, we were very street.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of interesting because yeah. I remember that period because obviously in sort of 79, you know, Margaret Thatcher got in, and then during that early 80s, there was a lot of unemployment, and then sort of the Falklands, and I know that ba- um, things had changed because the you had miners' just, like, strike. The miners' strike, and obviously mm-hmm. you'd had Red Wedge, but before then, we had a, you know, it was a big kind of movement of reclaim the. The streets, a lot of the women's movement at that stage was sort of trying to, uh, yes, was sort of very active during that late 70s period, especially because there was a whole new wave of feminism that came along. So did you, as, as you said, talked about sort of rock against racism? Were you also um, aware of, of being sort of a pivotal pivotal kind of uh, band and person who sort of led that next wave of sort of feminism?
1: Um, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And our kind of fan base was very mixed. It was like punk, young heterosexuals, the gay, there was a lot of gay women and gay men who, who were part of our fan base. And, um, uh, yeah, so we had, yeah, well, because of the way we were structured and the way what we sang about, I think we had that kind of appeal, especially to minorities at that time, especially the gay minority, if you like not so much a minority now, but um, at that time, yeah.
0: Yes, it was so, really So when you kind of then yeah. got into the studio, you did this in Jacob's studio, which was, um, yes, in 81. And, and you did, there was a 10-track album. You did a David Bowie version, didn't you, of repetition. Did that, um, yeah. what was the kind of, one of the reasons for doing that particular cover?
1: Well, it was, I really liked the subject matter, which is about wife battering in America. And uh, it was a lesser known track of David Bowie's. I um, don't think many people really knew that he would sang that song. So that that was really it. I think if you tried to do one of his better known tracks, then you'd probably come unstuck and got egg on your face. But uh, I think picking that song, that only fitted in with, Um, our general subject matter, but um, what we were singing about, uh, it was also like a more obscure song. And also I thought it was really great that he'd written it. Yes. You know, I've always admired him for that. Um, I think it says a lot about him and where he was at, really, in terms of sexual politics. But, um, yeah, so, yeah. Does that answer the question?
0: It does answer the question because the album, you know, has kind of been ranked, you know, I was looking at the the sort of the, the some some of the reviews. I mean, it was kind of the NME rated it as one of the the best albums of that particular year and other people uh, sort of said it was the masterpiece of feminist rock. So when you were recording it, did you feel like you were sort of kind of on a zeitgeist kind of moment that you were doing something quite memorable that was still going to be listened to 40 years later?
1: No, I had no idea. No. In fact, um we, we went into a studio for some period during the initial recording and the guy that the record company, the independent record company had picked to, um, he was like, he was a real control freak and we got very upset and we had to leave that studio. Um, we managed to salvage some of the rhythm tracks, but, um, we had to put the whole thing together very quickly because of the budget that was used up and, uh, to salvage what we'd wasted, really, in time and recording costs. Um, so it was really quite, it was, a um, yeah, and also having just no idea whether people were going to like it or not and being quite worried about that. Yes. You know, so, I mean, when it, when it was received so well and it did so well, it was a really big, nice, it was a big surprise and a great boost
0: Yes. Yeah, and and you had quite yeah. one of the great iconic kind of covers of, of that period with Eve Arnold, with that um, particular shot. Did you, um, what was the kind of reasoning behind that, choosing that particular image?
1: Um, well, um, that just, I, I well, that, we just found that. I think Martin, who was managing us, he found that shot. Um, he found that book about China and uh, he just showed these, and we all liked it because we, we weren't really into putting pictures of ourselves on the cover. So we wanted to find an image that really obviously went well, with, like was a good match. And um, we just thought that was perfect, these women doing military training in Mongolia, yes. in the mountains.
0: It was excellent. Yeah. It was such a shot, wasn't yeah. it?
1: Yeah, in, in pink dresses, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she she was one of, she was the first journalist who was allowed into China um, cause China had a very closed door policy up until, well, up until quite recently, wouldn't let any journalists in, but yeah, she mm-hmm. was one of the very first journalists to get in to the country. And she, this book, I had a copy of the book actually that when we were touring in the States, um, a young lesbian who really liked us, she bought me a, a copy of the book and uh, she came backstage and gave it to me, but very, very sadly, I've lost it over the years and my travels, which is um, something I've always regretted because it was a very beautiful book, Ooh. really nice book.
0: It's always tricky. Yeah, it? it was great losing it. Yeah, because having done um, a lot of these interviews, I didn't hadn't because I was just I'm just a fan, and, and you know the 80s was sort of, I suppose when I'm kind of a period that I was particularly on I, I realized that most bands have a kind of a f- bit of a f- five-year narrative you know they get together a lot of them you know like they spend 12 months spend 12 months sort of rehearse and play sort of sometimes faffing about and then you know John Peel give them a play then the session their first album and things are going well at that stage and then there's a the tricky second album which I know is a bit of a cliche um, and then if, if any band seems to tour America that also seems to knock them as well so yeah. y- you've also got quite a similar time span and you you did have an, a second album, Sense and uh, Sensuality. Sensuality. Yes, which which yeah. went into a bit of a more of a I a, sort of a bit of more of a jazz. Yeah, it,
1: it, well, I mean those songs weren't weren't written properly. I think it's a big big shame that we we didn't have time to take some time out to work on new material. I don't remember it terribly clearly by that stage, but I know that things weren't going very well, um, and I think I'd lost my voice and. Uh, um i yeah we just been we hadn't really had time to write new material, and i think we um we were i don't i remember i wasn't in a very good headspace um and um and just felt like uh, uh, like I, I had the responsibility of trying to write this material for this new album and like just really working against the clock and and also not feeling very well not being like, in the best of health, mentally and physically, possibly, but certainly mentally. Um, and uh, I think the relationship between us also was a bit not, yeah, it wasn't quite right either because of things that had gone down and whatever. So I, 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 I just wish that, in a way, we'd had a lot more time and more resources to be able to work on that album um, so that we could have... Put something together that one, one felt proud of. Um, as it is, I just feel that it's a half-finished piece of work.
2: Yes. And it
1: still hasn't. It, some of the songs probably shouldn't ever have not, maybe not have been on the record. But um, by far, I think the bulk of the material. I don't know. I felt like it. it, it the songs needed to to be more, have more work, and they could. They're, they're not as products or like songs or musical works they're not they're not anywhere near their full potential yeah. which is sad really yeah and did you i mean it's, it's just sometimes sometimes when i think about those songs i think oh it would have been nice to have done harmonies in that bit it would have been nice to have done this there but um you know that just didn't happen yes. and it was very hard yeah. to um i don't know to um when you're not feeling right, I mean, sometimes it's, you can fuel your creative energy with with your feelings, but sometimes if you're not feeling the right things, it's just, you just don't have whatever is needed to give to it. If I did, if it was now, if we were, if now, if I took those songs now and looked at them and, um, could like fiddle around with the, the lyrics and things like that and, uh, And maybe work and just spend time working on each of them um, to give them their, to do them justice. But as it was, yeah, we were just up against it. So unfortunately, I I just regard that album as a half-finished work. And uh, like I say, there's probably material on it that shouldn't be on it. We should never have seen the light of day. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Anyway. It's one of those stories, yeah. isn't it? But you were then, you, you were sort of, did you feel, I mean, because some bands, you know, I spoke to, kind of realise that they are going to be breaking up at the end of the album. Did you have that feeling or were you still feeling like just getting through I can't,
1: I can't really remember. The chronology of events is very difficult to remember because it was so long ago. Yes, I obviously. do know that, that, that it was, um, we weren't in a good place. I can't remember with Jane, Jane is playing on that album. And I don't think that Jane, I'm not sure, I can't be certain. I know that Jane either had already decided to leave or she did decide to leave shortly afterwards because she left the au pairs and I know she left to go and do something with the stupid keyboard player. So I'm going to start being rude now. You shouldn't probably publish any of this. But uh, there was a keyboard player on that album. I don't know who he was. I don't know to this day where he came from. And I don't know how he ended up playing on that album. Um, I, I still don't know. I think his, Well, I, oh, I don't know what his name was. I, as I say, I don't know where he came from. But he somehow ended up playing keyboards on that album. And Jane and him got into a thing. And she left the au pairs to go and, do something with him musically but that didn't work out because I think what happened was she bought all this equipment with her credit card and she came home one day and he'd run off with it all. He wasn't a very nice person, he really no. wasn't, but that I don't want that to go on the record
0: No, crikey, I I'll, I'll remember that Yeah, so anyway, yeah. yes the, the usual sort so of
1: I, I, think every, I think that Jane realised that it was like a drowning ship, yeah yes. you know, it wasn't Um, unfortunately, and uh, she thought that she was leaving to go and strike, to to get into a better situation, but actually she didn't. Yes. She actually left. And and then all these people got involved. Again, it wasn't my decision. I don't know whose decision it was. All these people kind of got involved and started playing with us. I hated what they were doing. I hated the sound. And um, I just felt like the whole thing was just running away, um from us really it just like you know it just like wasn't something i felt i had any control over yes. and uh and also there were problems as well with with you know with what was going on with us individually i think apart from pete i think we um were all um <laughs> going through some kind of personal crisis
0: <laughs> oh tricky numbers aren't they so did you as a, as a sort of a band did you or one day you just sit down and say, let's just can we just forget this now? Or did you just all? Or... No,
1: we didn't. Um, I didn't actually want to stop. I want, I thought that what we probably needed to do was take a break and to go and like uh, reevaluate and just maybe, just have a break from the whole thing. But um, when I put Jane had left. But when I put that to Paul and Pete, they just told me they didn't want to carry on. Right. So that. So what? Once they told me they didn't want to carry on, I just had to accept that. And then down the years, I made various attempts to try and get us back together, but I, again, I didn't. I didn't get very far. So yes. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't my decision. I would have. I would have loved to have to carry. Have carried on. Um, but unfortunately, it was. You know, it takes two to tango. And. Um, they they weren't willing to do so, so that yes. that didn't that didn't happen, which is sad.
0: Yeah, yeah, because obviously, so, because because coming, you know. Uh, Around a few years, uh, just as you were sort of probably breaking up, there'd kind of, been those bands a bit like, you know, the, the Marine Girls had happened and then the Raincoats and Delta 5. So the, 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 you kind of would begin, you basically cre- helped create what was going to sort of come next in that sort of the indie world. Well,
1: of- the, those bands, yeah. those bands, well, Delta 5 certainly existed when we did. Yeah, they, they came out of the Leeds thing with the Gang of Four yes. and the Mekons. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I but, think we, but did you feel, we played on this.
0: Go on. I was going to say, did you feel that as the 80s were happening and, you know, suddenly you had the bands like the Smiths and the June Brides and the Go-Betweens, did you sometimes think, God, we should be there as well? And
1: um... Oh, God, yeah, it was really difficult. I mean, it was very difficult for me to go and see live music because I just wanted to get up there and do it. It was very hard, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And did you? It,
0: yeah. And I was just going to say, did you feel that, um, as the as you sort of said, you didn't want to really give up the band, and obviously was hoping that it might come together again? Was there a moment when you know when did you start to sort of think this isn't going to happen, and be and then sort of decide to to have a complete career change?
1: Well, one has to survive and. Uh... When they were when they weren't willing, I just thought, well, I've got to find something. I wasn't in a very good situation. I had no money and uh, nowhere to live, and um, so I had to kind of get something together. And and I just thought, what can I I study something because I felt like my mind wasn't very. I felt like my mind had. uh, Yeah, my mind wasn't in a good way, and I thought if I study something that's really difficult, I'll get my mind back. And so I started studying law. I didn't think I'd pass, but I did. So I just carried on with that. And uh, that thought, sudden, that just gave me, um, like I started doing asylum refugee cases. And so that, again, that kind of fitted with my general po- politics. So I found a niche, if you like. Um, and I've been doing that for years now and I'm still doing it. And... Um, Sometimes I absolutely hate it, but yeah, I've been doing it for so long. So I'm pretty seasoned at it now and I know what I'm doing. So yes. yeah, and it's, and it's reasonable money. Um, so that's, but I still like play music. I'm still like do the occasional gig. I did a gig recently supporting Lena Lovitch. Um, and i am got plans with this virus thing to, um, self quarantine and, uh, Start recording because I've got some software and I've got some, I've got a little studio s- set up upstairs. And um, I've got a guy coming around on Thursday just to help me with the levels on my Ableton Live software. So I'm going to, st- and uh, I just want to start learning how to use the Ableton Live to start using MIDI. Yeah. So that, I don't know, I don't know. I still feel like, in a way, I haven't actually created the masterpiece that I suppose we all think we've got inside us. <laughs> I still write songs. I've got some songs I've, and I'd like to sit down and, and write, write some new songs. I still think I've got it inside me to be able to do that. But it's, it's just like with work, you have a lull in your work and you think, right, great, I'll just sit down and write some songs. And then suddenly the phone rings or you get an email and you, you get sidetracked into doing an appeal or a judicial review comes in, so it's constantly on that merry-go-round of like, I'm going to do it, but then something, you know, distracts you, you know. But never, but maybe with this virus thing, I'll just <laughs> finally didn't turn a, a, a positive out of a negative. Yes. And um, you never know. But yeah, I'm still playing music. Yeah, I am. I Excellent. love music.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, that, that's Great, because I remember talking to Viv. Albertine, Albertine from The Slits and know she said that after that band finished she just you know she felt kind of physically ill if she heard any music because it, it had been such a traumatic experience being in the band so it was good that you didn't have yeah. quite such a sort of oh my god it was you know hyperventilate every time you think of you hear a record or think about your oh
1: your, no I, I mean yeah I've got so many records that I love and so many different kinds of music and singers and beautiful songs it's very hard to kind of turn your back on that, all of it, so much of it. But, yeah, I completely get what she was saying. Yeah, I completely I, – I mean, like, any, a radio station like Radio 6, which I now have on all the time, would have been, um, you know, it would have been like a complete – turn. I would just, like, not want to hear it because on that particular station – you would be hearing people that you would be thinking, "Oh God, I could do that, or I could do better than that," or yes. you know what I mean. So anything like that, I would steer a wide berth off. But if it was something like Nina Simone or Billie Holiday or jazz or stuff like that, then it, you know, I would it would be okay. I could bear that. <laughs> yes. But yeah, I get what she's I get what she's saying. I've read all her I've read all her books, her biographies, Viv. And I went to see her when she did that little gig at, well, little. She did a gig at the South Bank. She got a new band together. And it was very enjoyable. Um, I really enjoyed it. I went up and said hi to her at the end. And um, I see her sometimes. She lives, well, I don't know where she's living right now. But I think she was living up at London Fields, which is just literally around, just up the road from where I live. I remember once being in um, a place where my dog was being groomed. And I was getting my nails done. And she walked past. I was in the middle of my nail drop varnish was drying. I couldn't really leap up and run after her. But anyway, yeah, she's she's around and um, I love her books. I think she's a great writer. Um, I think she'd be the first to admit she's not the world's best singer or vocalist or guitar player. But um, she's, yeah, I just think good on her, you know, and yes. feel very support. I feel very supportive of her. Um, And especially with what she's been through and everything. Mm. Yeah.
0: That's quite amazing. that's good. But the good thing is, with your music, and this probably doesn't give you much financial reward, but I noticed that on Spotify, you know, you have got your album, the two albums, lots of b sides and and the John Peel sessions. Plus, you have a couple of live recordings, one at Glasgow, one in Birmingham. And you do get a monthly listen of over, or nearly 27,000 a month. So... Really? 27,000 people a month listen to it. And you know, the, the obvious single, it's obvious, you know, has now been played over 750,000 times. So you must feel that the, your legacy is more than, you know, has, has, the flame is still burning, to have a cliche on the band.
1: Well, I think that's lovely. I think, you know, I, I feel very chuffed and I feel very proud of that. Um, yeah, and maybe in a way, um, it, it's good to. Um, although I, I some, I think perhaps we have got, we still got like the whatever it is inside us to do more and to do another album or do more albums. Maybe uh, there's also quite a lot to be said for cutting out when you're ahead. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Do you, do. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Because. Um, and unless we could have come up with something as good or uh, nearly as good as that album, we would we would have, like, it would have been hopeless. You know what I mean? Yes. So, so in that sense, it's probably, rather than follow it like, you know, the second album wasn't on a par with the first album, um, it could have been a lot better. But, again, you just, I mean, these are all if, what if, what if, what if, what if you know, the reality is that you need money. To, you need someone to pay for the recording studio. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yes, absolutely. Like,
1: you know, I just—I mean, I'm very envious of people like David Bowie who had his own recording studio, and people who 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 have, who are, have been very successful and have their own recording studio. And when when um, inspiration dawns, they just run away into this room and and sort of put put down the track. I mean, here, you're not allowed to play music after 10 o'clock at night. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And as little peasants, we have to live in the real world, you know. Yes. And obviously, mo- most inspiration comes after a few drinks or whatever. And it's usually after 10 o'clock at night. Well, for me, it is anyway.
0: Yes. And, and so, I was just, just going to say, I mean, well, two things. Are you still in touch with any of the the original members like Pete and? No,
1: and, uh, I'm not really. Um, we we we're, we're in a bit of a dispute that's been going on because basically I wanted the songs back, so I wanted my songs back because after they wouldn't get back together, I just thought right, well I want my songs back. Yes. But um, and they don't want to give them to me. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're not on good terms. No, in fact, oh. I don't. I can't get in touch with Paul and Pete. They won't let me. Um, Jane, I can email, but usually she's. I find her very difficult to communicate with, which makes me wonder if perhaps maybe we were together for that short period, three or four years, and it was we we got on really well. We were young, but maybe. If we'd carried on, we would have probably found that we had nothing in common and probably maybe we didn't really even like each other. You know what I mean? Yeah, That happens to a lot of bands, doesn't it? They just they just carry on like marriages to the bitter end. <laughs> yes. And like, yeah. And well, I, I, well so I, again. Yeah, I was, I was
0: going to say, I think with some bands, well, most bands do split up because after that five years they realise that probably they they don't like each other and they haven't made any money. And then there's a couple, um, probably count them on your finger or two fingers or two hands. Um, yeah. Yes, who do make money and probably realise there's the big kind of picture, you know, and I'm thinking of bands, I suppose, like U2 or Rolling Stones who think that we, you know, they might, I'm not sure, Not might not be the best of friends, but they realise, well, actually, if we work together and can cope with that and we know our boundaries and what to say and what not yeah. to say at the right time and we've got yeah. a good, a good manager we could you know bring out the album every few years do a tour make lots of money and just you know absolutely it's 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 probably better than plan b which probably most people don't have plan b so they i think a few people just keep their eye on the big prize but then you know the big prize has been created by for for, you know for some people so it is you know it is very it is tricky
1: yeah i mean i heard the guy from radiohead on radio six last week And um, he's not the singer from Radiohead, but he was basically talking about they've been together for like 35 years, I think. And um, he was just basically talking about how they really live separate lives. They've all got families and that they come together at certain periods, like it's all organized. And they, you know, it's, I don't know, I suppose it's a bit like going um, on a job, you know, a project, a job, and they come together together like when they say they're playing Glastonbury or something and they come together and they'll set aside, book up, you know, rehearsal space and just rehearse. But their lives are quite independent of each other. Yes. Yeah? So I think, I think that's what you, what you mean, don't you? You mean it's, it's like the band is like the, um, the thing that that tr- get, triggers the income, which allows you to do, to, to maintain your lifestyle you know and and then obviously you get you get that thing where then you'll get individuals who'll go off and work on their own individual music projects and they can do that because they are become known through that that band thing you know the banner you know what i mean so well i suppose I suppose
0: Um, i remember the story when i did an interview with a member of james and You know, it was uh, probably last year and he said they broke up kind of almost at their height and they were sitting around a swimming pool, I think, in Spain and said, shall we just break up because we all really hate each other? And everyone said, yep, thank God for that. But then 10 years later, but 10 years later, after probably lots of failed solo efforts from various people, they probably thought actually... We've got a bit of a problem. We've all a bit broke, we've got bills, and if we can get the band together, we might be able to get this sort of cash. And they probably that ten year period is probably a bit humble pie, I would imagine. Because they you know they probably think I'd rather sit on stand on stage playing the guitar, bass, or singing than trying to find some job at the local council, say. And I suppose some people will just sort kind of say, Look, I won't do that thing that annoys you if you don't do that other thing that annoys me, but can we just play the greatest hits and see if we can bring a new album out? So I think a few a few Few people do that just to cope with their life, because, as you said, you've got to make some money eventually, haven't you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as I say, there were times down the years, down maybe the first decade after we split up, that I probably did approach them, but it didn't get anywhere. I mean, I don't know why that was, because I wasn't there. They're all in Birmingham. I've never lived, gone back to Birmingham since I left. Um, So I was very like, I'm very out of touch with what's been going on in their lives. Totally out of touch. Yeah. Yes. I, uh, I really don't know. I know that Paul's been playing, teaching. um, I think he has been teaching guitar somewhere in Birmingham at a local school. But I also wonder if Paul, Pete and Jane just didn't really like being in the public eye whether it was something um, that they just didn't enjoy. And, well, it's not really very enjoyable, really, fame and all that. But um, I don't know whether, I don't know, as I say, I don't know, you'd have to ask them why they never wanted um, wanted to, like, get back together or try and work on another album or play again as a group, the four of us you'd have to ask them because not not one of them has really ever explained why they did why they didn't yes. i mean Paul and Pete have been to, been friends like from school years yeah? yeah i mean they were in a band together before the au pairs. and um so they they have a bond which goes back a long time yeah yeah and it's probably pretty unassailable And I know that – I don't think Pete's ever married, but I know Paul has – he's with a partner and they've got hundreds of children. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not hundreds. They have a lot of children. I know Jane has never married. Jane's quite a bit older than me. She's now like – well, last time I emailed her, she told me (laughs) she said that she could do with the publishing money because she's retired. She's over 65 and she's getting a pension. So I felt, anyway, that's another subject. But what I'm saying is, is that like, I really don't, I haven't got a clue what they've been doing. No. You know, know, I haven't been like, uh, and like, that's the thing you see, we were, it's now almost 40 years later and I've been doing things for the last 40 years. They've all been doing things for 40 years. We've been out of each other's lives more than we've ever been in each other's lives. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah, there's been a lot of... Yeah. Um, a
1: and lot... I, I certainly wouldn't want to... I don't think I'd want... The only person I sometimes think I would like to work with again is Pete, because Pete is a good drummer.
0: And yeah. everyone,
1: if you're going to do something musically, it's always useful to have a good drummer. <laughs> <laughs> but Jane, I don't think she's picked up a bass guitar for... God knows, I don't think she's played bass guitar for many, many years. I don't know about Paul, um, I, I don't know, I've got a feeling but with Paul that he's quite vulnerable and that he's quite, something I probably didn't realise at the time, but that he's quite, um, what's the word, vulnerable in the sense that he doesn't, maybe he's not really, he doesn't really like being in, playing in public. I don't know. Again, you see, it's really hard to talk about people that you really don't know. Yes, and I really don't know what who they are now. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's a tricky one. So, look, lastly, what what would you say to a, you know, an eighteen year old self that start was starting out in music? If something, if someone could have just, I we- say,
1: don't take don't take lots of drugs, don't drink, eat your greens, and. Um, and just like, go to bed early, get lots of sleep, be healthy, uh, get exercise, don't smoke, um, and um, uh, and when and when you really have been touring a lot, or just take time out, take space from each other yes. when it gets when it gets difficult.
2: Because yeah. I think it's
1: like any other relationship, really. Um, when there are going to be times when the relationship is very strained, and when you would think that we're good, we should, we need to split up, it's the end. But sometimes I think perhaps if you take space, and maybe just that could mean three months, yeah. then just take, take that space and go away, and, and then, you know, and, and also make time to write new material. Yes. That's the thing. Once you get once you get out on the road. You're too busy getting drunk or getting out of your head. It's a very sort of illusory lifestyle, you know, racking up to somewhere and then going to a hotel, dumping your bags, sound checking, drinking, playing, drinking, going back to the hotel and going back to bed. And it goes on and on and on and on and on like that. In fact, I used, well, after we split up, I used to pack a bag (laughs) then suddenly realise that I wasn't going anywhere because of the habit of it you know but yeah I mean it's a very delusory lifestyle you don't worry about bills you don't worry about um putting food in the fridge or anything like that it's very obviously there's much more of a focus now on eating your five a day and being healthy and not smoking I mean it just was not heard of in our day you know to not (laughs) to be healthy I know I didn't hear of hair conditioner till Quite recently, but anyway, no, I'm joking. But yeah, to be, yeah, so um, I would just say that, yeah, I would just say take time out really, yes. for yourself well, I, and to, to work on material. Yeah, well, I, I don't, think, and also, I think the thing with the au pairs was that I now I realize that it was a lot of pressure on me, violins, no, I'm in the, that I wrote all the material, and sometimes I wonder what would it have been like if there had been someone else in the band. Who also could write the material yes. we could write together, and I think it was a lot of responsibility um, for for one person to have to keep writing it was um yeah, and because eventually you are going to run out of batteries, and um, you know what i mean so and I, so for me personally, I feel like it would have been good to have just had like spaces gaps but again it financially and everything else it just wasn't viable you know yes well absolutely
0: i guess i guess there was a couple of people in bands who wanted to do it quite democratically and then over the decades literally decades realized that had been a mistake they wish they just had said no this band is me and you are members of this band, but trying to negotiate with other, you know... The no, you,
1: you can't do that. You can't you can't do that, really, because they probably turn around and say, right, we're not playing with you.
0: <laughs> I suppose, yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's a very difficult one. You know, you either have to do the, let's sit round and have endless... It is
1: difficult, because I remember feeling very self-conscious of the fact that, as a singer, I was going to get more attention... So I always made a point of a, photo, a photograph of trying to get to the back so that they were at the front or in interviews, letting them do the talking. But I think now I think that in some ways that was I think from the interview point of view, I think that was a bit stupid because once Pete started talking, he had verbal diarrhea and it was like he just banged on and on and on. And, on and, and then he just went on and, on and on and on and on and on. And he just didn't know when to shut up, poor. Don't ever tell him that. So that was that. In a way, that was a bit of a mistake. And the other thing was that even though I tried to do that, um, the others didn't didn't appreciate it. They didn't really. They didn't. At the end, they. I mean, I haven't. They have said some nasty things about me, and which would which would have they if I had been like push myself forward and sort of been very egotistical about it those things would have been justified. But, but they still said them, even though I didn't. Do you see what I'm trying to say?
0: Yes, absolutely. God, so done. even
1: though I tried to, like, really play down what, my role, and even though I was very conscious of them not getting their backs put up or their noses out of joint, I, really, I didn't get any thanks from, from them for it. In fact, I got, like, quite the contrary. They just yeah, so I mean it's like about seeing things from other people's points of view. I think yes, it's just they, right. they don't see it. I I don't think that they see it from my point of view, and that's sad because we haven't sat down and communicated with each other. Yes, and um, I don't I don't think that they really... And I just think, well, what's the point? You know, everybody's moved on. So yes, I, I guess I mean yeah. I have
0: to say, looking at the photos of the band. You do look very good live, don't you? You know, you did photograph well. Who, me? Well, just the band. I mean, it well, did have All a, it, of us. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we
1: were a nice looking band, yeah. yeah. I think we were a nice looking band. You looked particularly yeah, I
0: cool. Do. I mean, it looked like a very cool gang.
1: Yeah, yeah. We, I think we were, uh, all of us, we looked really individually, we all looked really cool, yeah. I think you're right. I think we were very attractive, appealing in that way. Yes. You know.
0: Yeah, uh, oh, uh, uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure sure about now.
0: But, um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of, a, but the, the nice thing is there is a lovely picture of you playing in Norwich, the St Andrew's Hall in Nor- in 1981, a little colour picture, yeah. which is quite nice. So, uh, yes, you, you do sort of, you sit in there, don't you, in various chapters in the world of modern music, you know, has been very influential and, um, yes... Iconic, I suppose.
1: Yeah, yeah, we do tend to crop up in very strange places. Like a friend of mine, I don't know if you remember, a book by, called, by Peter franson called *The Corrections*.
2: Oh no, I don't. It
1: was about yeah. a book prize. American writer, is it Peter franson Anyway, it was a book called *The Corrections*, and it's American novel. Anyway, at page one four eight, he gets up and puts on a no pairs album. It's like <laughs> it's like that. <laughs> really funny Excellent. yeah that's quite sweet yeah yes. that's quite sweet yeah no it's I mean yeah I'm, I'm very proud of the legacy and I'm chuffed always very chuffed yes. when people sort of like get in touch with me and send me a really nice message about how the, the album was so important and how they love it still and I think that's really I find that very very nice I find it yeah I'm very proud of that yeah yes. yeah
0: and do you? I mean, yeah. just lastly, do you? Did you keep an archive of all the all the dates you played and all the? Uh, different- no,
1: oh, that's another thing. That as as an eighteen year old, if I had my time again, I would have. The thing is that, like, what with all the drinks and the whatever you take, your memory tends to be very um, vague. You can't remember things very clearly. It all becomes a bit of a blur. Yeah. Um, but, yeah that's the other thing. I would have kept the photographs. I would have kept more maybe more of a diary, um, but you don't know, do you? you just when when you're young, you think you're immortal, don't you? Yes,
0: it you is. Just
1: think that you just think you're on a stepping stone to what's coming is the best is yet to come, you know, so you don't so yeah, no, unfortunately i didn't, and most, I have managed to get photographs and things from people who had them who've got in touch with me and i've asked them and they've sent them to me which is really nice so, yes. so that's that, so i haven't it's not like i've got completely nothing i've managed to salvage a few bits and bods here and there i've got some photographs on my laptop and things like that yeah so yeah it's okay yes well yeah. look
0: leslie this has been amazing yeah. i 'm so pleased we 've actually got there in the end
1: yeah it 's been nice I, I was a bit worried about how it was going to be because i 'm feeling quite worn out at the moment today mondays aren 't a good day, but yeah i 've really enjoyed talking to you it 's nice yeah i 'd like to see well, i don 't oh is this going out on a radio show or something well, i
0: put it um, I do that and I podcast it so i I, I have a link so I can always uh, send you the link when I've done it. Would uh, you? Yes, definitely. Yeah, that would um, be
1: lovely. I'd like that. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. It's, it's all right. right it's,
0: it's great. Look, Leslie, keep in touch and thank you ever so much.
1: You're very welcome. And uh, yeah, send me the link and uh, it's been lovely talking to you.
0: Yes. Okay. Take care there and uh, have a great... All right, love. Yes. Keep safe.
1: And, yeah. <laughs> and you, Bye. God, yeah. Yes. All right. All right. Take okay, bye, bye
0: for now. Bye-bye. Bye. There you go. I love leaving the end bits in. Anyway, look, that was me with Leslie uh, Woods from the O Pairs, finding more about life, love, poetry, and all that other groovy stuff. I do believe, actually, that was last March 2020. I know. What was happening then in the world? Right. Anyway, look, if you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's the C86 Show. Um, all these have been archived. You can find those on Spotify, iTunes and Podbean. And um, as for the au pairs, who knows? Google them. I don't know. I can't do everything here. Look, have a great week. Stay safe.